Welcome back to the Outpost podcast. We are now settling into a lovely morning, day two of Outpost here at Camp Navarro. There's some uh, some phenomenal brand activations going live. I've seen running groups head into the Redwoods. I've seen a survival workshop happening over my shoulder. And I think there's some kombucha making happening on the other side of the meadow. Uh, but, uh, but I certainly feel lucky to have an opportunity to take the moment to sit down and, uh, and deep dive on some topics of special interest. Uh, my name is Red Rainey. I'm here to host the Outpost podcast in collaboration with the wonderful... I'm Marcus Columbano. I'm with Pineapple. We're a creative studio in San Francisco. That's right. And uh, and together, we are joined uh, this morning by Mr. Adam Lewis of Foghorn Labs. Foghorn Labs is a outdoor-specific digital marketing agency. Adam Lewis, can you please share with me? I want to know who you are, and I want to know what is Foghorn Labs? What do you guys create? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for uh, thanks for the opportunity to to chat today. Um, yeah, so Falkhorn Labs is a digital marketing consultancy. We're based in Portland, Oregon. Um, we started off in San Francisco back in 2010. And um, yeah, our focus is um, really helping outdoor and active lifestyle brands grow their uh, their direct consumer business. So helping them uh, with e-commerce and, and growing the, the part of their business where they're really interacting with, with customers directly. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, been a fun journey and um, started off as kind of an, an individual kind of person. Yeah, just a contractor, right? Just doing projects here and there. And, and um, it evolved into, uh, into more of, of, I guess, what you call an agency. But we're definitely small, small but mighty, as I <laughs> like, to, like to say. Um, Love it. But, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a good, a good ride so far. <laughs> cannot beat the natural evolution of good business when yeah. there is demand for the product that you're shipping. Yeah. Um, can you give me an example of the work that you do? Uh, like, like what would be not a typical, because I don't think that that is a very fitting word. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that you guys are quite versatile, actually. Um, but, uh, but give me an example, full stack, start to finish, what a, what a, a client or a company or a group might come to you for mm-hmm. and uh, what you deliver for them uh, better than anybody else. Yeah, that's a great question. So, really, our 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 wheelhouse and, and kind of the, the the common thread that carries across the majority of our clients, not all of them, but most of them, um, is they're an outdoor active lifestyle brand that's selling direct consumer online, and they're looking to grow that part of their business, right? So, some of them are um, kind of heritage brands or brands that've been around a long time, and they've always uh, they've they've grown and 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 developed as a brand through relationships with um, wholesalers and, you know, through brick and mortar stores and they're looking to, you know, really build the side of their business that is that direct consumer, that, that, um, that online side of their business where they own the customer relationship and they own the the journey and the, you know, they really like, yeah, own that relationship with the customer. Um, and then we work with some other clients on the flip side who are sort of digital first who maybe started with Kickstarter and they've never worked with, you know, brick and mortar, uh, stores, or they've never had, uh, distribution deals. Um, and they're trying to grow that side of, of their business because that's, that's where they, you know, they started, that's their DNA. But, but whether they're kind of, they've been around a long time or they're new, um, the common thread is that they're really trying to grow that, that direct consumer channel, um, and have trying to, you know, just gain more, uh, more, more control over that side of their business because, um, you know, for, for a lot of brands, it's, it's hard to 
relinquish so much control to um, other retailers and other other kinds of other stores. You know, mm. it's it's a, it's a it's a tough place to be a brand and not have control over your end end customer. So that's kind of the common thread, I think. Um, if I were to if I were to pick one thing, Killer, you you bring it straight to the people. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think more you, about it. I mean, a lot of what you're saying, and you think about the 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 pressure that people have moving from a traditional. Uh, channel model right. to a direct consumer model right. is how do you get people to discover the undiscovered yeah. and um, use digital to magnify the effect um, uh, to help build a brand and attract customers. Can you talk a little bit about how you go about what, I mean, I like the range, you're mm-hmm. working with small customers, you're working yeah. with established entities that have been in brick and mortar before. Yeah. How do you get them to be more visible to a customer? How do you uh, connect a need with a product or brand? Yeah. So it's usually a variety of, of mediums. Um, you know, we found that the more um, kind of the, the more ways you try to tackle the problem, the the more the higher the likelihood of success. So I mean, we we typically are helping folks with their presence on search engines, um, helping them with um, you know media buys online, uh, helping them on big platforms like YouTube or um, Facebook or Instagram um, and really you know we've found the most success with with doing sort of all of that together and so I you know I think that the term integrated marketing gets thrown around um, quite loosely but I, I do think that that's uh, that's kind of the that's the the way that we've found the most success is really trying to help help brands seem larger than life and, and get them in a lot of different channels reaching um, a wide wider variety of people and and in, in different ways to, to um, because not everyone is on you know not everyone is just on Facebook or not everyone is just on Instagram or just on you know Google and so there's there's this this need for really trying to um, be you know be everywhere seemingly be everywhere even if you're small you know I think that's that it's it's possible um, but uh, yeah I love that well, no, I think it's <laughs> great it's, it's fantastic I mean you talk a lot about um, helping brands look larger than life um, one of the main pressures that people have the going from brick and mortar going from channel mm-hmm. um, brick and third party brick and mortar right. let me stress yeah, yeah. Um, going through the channel going through retail um, is that they have felt that they don't have direct connection with the customer. Yeah. Um, when you're trying to make a brand larger than life, um, how do you at the same time in parallel help them have a more direct relationship, a two-way communication mm-hmm. with the customer? Mm, good question. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, like you're mentioning, uh, one of the, the, the challenge of, of the brands not having a, a direct relationship is, is they don't they're not able to follow up with customers uh, in in the same way that they would if it was directly through them or through a, maybe a, even a store that they had or through their website which, all about you know, their follow-up yeah, yeah. and that the they don't own that kind of they don't yeah they don't own that that relationship and so I think that's that's something that's definitely um, a, a, a big challenge especially if you're working with let's say Amazon right so where you don't even know the email address or the name of of that of that customer right so you don't really have any sense of 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 who they are and and maybe you know who's buying your product and what kind of is this uh you know what, what kind of demographic is is this um so i think that's uh that's definitely one of the challenges that you, know, you run into as as more and more of sales kind of go into these kind of third-party environments um, and so if you're trying to grow your brand, it's essential to know who's buying my product and, and do, you know, what, and, and if they're reviewing it, 
you know, making sure those reviews are on your site so it reflects your product when people come to do research versus having all those reviews live somewhere else, right? So um, I think obviously channels like Amazon are, you know, super important, even if, even if maybe they're not someone's favorite place to sell, they're, they're, they're there and they're, they're, they're critical and, they're, you know, mm. big, big volume places to, to move, um, you know, move your, your, your goods. But, uh, but at the same time, you know, you, you don't, you just, you end up relinquishing a lot of that, a lot of that ownership. And, and, uh, I think that's, that's, it's hard for brands to, to grow and scale and learn and iterate when, they only have a limited amount of information about who's buying their product and what they're what they're doing with it. So, how, what do you do to help provide that level of information? So, you, you're mm-hmm. going out uh, focusing on SEO. You're mm-hmm. focusing on social. Yeah. You're, fo- you're focusing on third-party uh, media platforms to create pull for cost, for the for the product. Right. Um, what do you provide? as a result in terms of information about the customer so that the, the brand knows more about who they're reaching. Yeah. So, um, I mean, some of that comes through website analytics. So, you know, when people are coming to your site versus, um, uh, another, another site or, or a, a large platform, um, you can learn about the, you know, the high level demographics of who's coming to your site, um, what products they're visiting, what they're, what they're buying, what they're maybe adding to cart, but not buying. Um, so there's, there's a, you know, the web analytics side is, is a big part of our business. It's certainly not what we, what we lead with, but it's, it's a, it's a, critical kind of foundation of, of any campaign, right? Because if, if we don't know who's doing what and, and how it's all working, it's really hard for us to do our job well. It's hard for us to explain the success or, you know, failure of a given campaign. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think web analytics is a big part of it. The other is, um, you know, being able to capture, you know, capture emails um, on your site. So whether that's through like plugins on uh, various, uh, you know, whether it's Shopify or, or, Magento or, you know, or, um, you know, any, any other kind of CMS system capturing those, those emails, uh, that's definitely, you know, a way to, to be able to, um, have that full circle. And then, um, aside from that, you know, trying to do campaigns to bring people into the site to get emails, to get, um, get website traffic. And and then also with social media, that's just a, a huge well of, of information, so trying to get people to engage with your brand over social, uh, there's a whole lot of metrics that you can you can get out of that. Um, although they've sort of decreased a little bit recently with mm-hmm. with a lot of the um, a lot of the uh, just the changes that have happened through with Facebook. Uh, what has decreased the variety of metrics you have access to, or just the overall traffic in general because people aren't paying or whatever? No, really, that face, Facebook is really because of. Um, yeah, because of some of these these data breaches that have happened with Facebook, and because of um, you know all of the, the the controversy around kind of just yeah, really the data breaches. Gotcha. I mean, that's the biggest part. And so yeah. now Facebook is is being more careful about what they retain, what they hold, and so they have. There's actually less information available to advertisers. Yeah, um, there's still a lot. There's more than enough, I think. Um, but uh, but it is still it's a wealth of information. And, and when you're you know if you're a young brand or if you're um, and a, a well-established brand and you're trying to push in a new direction, uh, that information is, is gold. And so trying to, mm. um, run campaigns where we have specific ideas in mind, like, okay, we want to know, you know, who's, who's interacting with this and how they're interacting with it and whether they're buying or not, or, you know, what their, what their kind of sentiment is. Um, and that's something that social can provide, um, you know, 
we kind of help we help our, we help clients come with the strategy and the framework for figuring out for learning, right? Cool. And I think that's the, the the big piece is you know success or failure with campaign in terms of dollars and cents is one thing, but then there's the learning and iteration that you have to get out of it either way. Okay. Yeah, the testing and, and yeah. optimization and yeah. redu- reduction of cost and accuracy of, yeah. of target. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Um, because even if you have a giant budget, you still want to be more efficient with it. You know exactly. And if you, this brings up a really good point um, and conversation. I'd love to hear your perspective on privacy mm-hmm. and what customers should expect in terms of what they exchange um, in terms of goods and services um, yeah. in exchange for uh, releasing some of their own private information. Mm-hmm. Um, what's topic. your perspective on that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this has come to a head recently with all the um, you know, with GDPR and, and all of these... Uh, these privacy laws coming into place in uh, in Europe, um, and you know, even though they're primarily this is a EU-based kind of GPR is an EU-based privacy um, policy, it, it affects you know it affects brands in a major way because even um, because if you do any business in Europe, uh, you have to comply with this, and then it kind of it trickles down into you know North America and where else. But I think from a you know as a as a as a consumer and a customer you know i i certainly don't like it when my information is shared i i i do try to like keep that perspective you know as a marketer too because i think it's um you know people people know when they're being when their information is being kind of uh, monopolized yeah or or just or sort of yeah monetized in a way that's that's kind of icky to them um and so i i do really try to keep Know, keep that perspective, but at the same time, you know, the the information that's available is is really important for for marketers to do do their job. So, um, yeah, I guess I kind of look at it in terms of you know, we when, when the GDPR piece came out and became a, a became very critical. I mean, it's just to give you a sense of why it's so important. And if you a GDPR violation, uh, I believe it's uh, it's around twenty million euro or four percent of your man. business whichever Overall is gross. larger yeah <laughs> so i mean this is something that can just overnight almost sink a business if you have a, 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 a violation into oblivion yeah, yeah. so i mean and, and especially for you imagine a small company i mean it's uh you know 20 it's it's what's ever larger so four percent might not be big yeah. but 20 20 million euro is is you know might not even be the revenue of the, of the yeah. company so so all of a sudden this, this went from being something that you know brands who were kind of playing by the rules and playing uh, the rules weren't really necessarily hard and fast rules but we're we're trying to play nice and be clear with with customers this is where your information is going to go and and this is what we're going to do with it and we won't sell it or if we do sell it it's to these partners and, and you know basically your privacy policy right yeah. on your website and so a lot of brands were being really good about it they had a privacy policy they stuck to it um, and I think people were aware of what was happening and, and that was all good but there was a lot of a lot of sort of players who were not abiding by those rules um, and so GDPR sort of set this very hard policy bar um, and I think that's uh, good it's, it's good I think it's really good overall and it's it's forced people to be way more aware of what they're doing how they're using information as a as a as a consumer I, I like that that's there um, it's a really it's a harsh penalty though so mm-hmm. so it's a and it's really, a very high bar yeah it's, it's a very, very high bar it's it a is. very high technical bar exactly for companies to be able to manage information mm-hmm. at a cut cu- at a specific customer level yeah both at 
in terms of what they capture, but also what they share and also what they're able to delete mm -hmm. at the request of the customer. Yeah. So it actually is a very high responsibility organization. Mm -hmm. Some may say that it's too high of a bar sure. uh, because it really imposes a huge burden on a, on a company. Right. At the same time, um, customers' information and that relationship you have is very, that, that sharing of information and that protection of information is also a very big brand relationship issue. Yeah, absolutely. And for small brands, it's, it's, it's very hard because if you're a two or three person company and you have to, um, you have to meet all these requirements. I mean, it's, it's almost, it's not almost, it's daunting. It's right. really, really challenging. So I think, you know, for small brands, it's, it's, it's really, really tough. I think there was initially, there was some talk about if you're under a certain size, you know, you have different requirements and then that went out the door. And I, I feel like, um, in my mind, that would have been maybe a better, you know, cause if you're a mom and pop, organization and and you you don't um well like we we're talking about that the right to be forgotten is the big part so that's right. that's technically very hard to do if you someone comes to your site or they leave an email address and then they say i want to be forgotten um if you're not like a, you know you don't have very strong it going on you don't have someone who can go in and wipe all of that person's information from everything and every kind of manifestation of it throughout your whole your whole system, you could be fined twenty million dollars, right, or twenty million euros. So, um, so it's it's you know that's a very I think it's a very yeah it's it's quite quite stiff. But at the same time, for large large companies who are dealing with tons of data, um, it's it's really important. I mean, I, I've definitely been uh, added to lists that I don't want to be on, and I've asked to be removed, and I keep getting emailed, and it you know drives me crazy. So I, I can see it from both sides, and I really try to like try to remember you know that uh, yeah try to try to keep keep that in mind that you know that this is this is impacting people in a major way but at the same time brands um, really do need to be cognizant of how they're dealing with that information and how they're sharing it and because that is that is their relationship with the customer especially brands who only have a website yeah that is that is their store that is their customer service yeah. you know interface so if, sure. you, if you break that trust yeah, you better not break that trust yeah. <laughs> I think inevitably I mean given your purpose of your business, which is to connect your brands with customers who are interested in what they have to offer and want to have a brand relationship with that customer, right. things like GDPR in the end will be really good for branding because mm -hmm. what it will mean is it'll stop being advertising, it'll be much more informational, and the information that customers will be getting will be the information that they either want or are interested in seeing. Exactly. And so the brand relationship will be stronger mm -hmm. and they won't feel like their information is being abused. Yeah, sure. and, and they'll be more likely to, to share that information and to have a dialogue with the brand and to, you know, to, to get updates and to, you know, to know what's going on in the latest. And, that, and I think that's that's really important. If you if you do want to be in, involved, and you, you want to be in touch with, with a brand and know what they're up to, um, you shouldn't be worried that your information is going to get sold, you know, if, that, that shouldn't be a concern. I think a lot of people are hesitant to, to reach out to brands, to be involved with them and, you know, pass along their email or, or agree to like have, you know, cookies put on their, their, uh, their browser because they, they're afraid of the ramifications of it. And I think that's, um, so yeah, I agree in the long term, I think it's, it's really positive. Um, in the short term, it's causing this scramble of, of, uh, of folks trying to figure out how to, you know, not get pinched with this huge, huge potential fine. You've seen sites just shut down. Because yeah. of their inability to deal with the uh, the regulations, um, yeah. I think that um, kind of thinking to the future, we're mm -hmm. going to be doing a talk uh, later today on brand partnerships, and a lot of people traditionally think of brand partnerships um, of companies, company brands having partnerships with other company brands 
to extend reach, to extend offering. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that as branding evolves, um, customers are actually forming partnerships with the brands that they choose. Mm-hmm. Um, that's now becoming part of that relationship is they the, their alignment mm. with a brand. It's mm-hmm. beyond just traditional branding. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah, I mean, in, in, meaning in terms of uh, just interacting with a, a brand by... Um, you know, sending comments, you know, putting comments on social or writing reviews or um, is that sort of what well, you're I, also, I think that um, we talk about the direct relationship of a brand with a customer mm-hmm. and the ability for a customer to give custom, uh, the company feedback right. on their product and affect the evolution of that product. Uh, we just we talked uh, about that with um, Caleb at uh, Power Practical mm-hmm. about the responsiveness of their customers and helping guide uh, their product development. Yeah, that's a partnership. Um, For sure. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, that kind of gets back to helping that two-way relationship, that two-way communications pathway. Right. And and building trust, right? Because people aren't gonna be f- spending, you know, what is what is valuable time and energy um, providing this effectively free feedback and 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 product. Um, yeah, product feedback for for the company that they don't they don't trust, right? So there's so there is that if they don't if they don't feel like they're um, like that there's something in it for them or that they're you know they're sort of being protected, they're going to be less likely to share that information. Which is um, you know a lot of brands have to go to great lengths and expense doing um, you know doing these kind of extensive product studies or or, or um, you know going out and trying to solicit a whole bunch of information to try to figure out, you know, what direction do we take this product or what do we do with this? But if you have people who are actively giving you that information and they're power users and they're, they're passionate about the brand, I mean, that's, that's better than any, you know, that's better than any kind of study you can do or, or, um, or any kind of, you know, um, customer survey, right. That you can try to cobble together. Exactly. I think it's, it is actually a true partnership, yeah. customer brand partnership based on yeah. trust, based on trust, based on yeah. trust. Yeah. yeah. Adam Lewis, it's clear that you're a, a versatile and dynamic operator in a space um, that is uh, constantly changing, right? The ground is changing underneath you guys at all times, so you're always being dynamic and, and versatile and responsive and reactive, uh, but also proactive. Let me ask you this to close. What are you, what are you most excited about, about the future of uh, digital marketing, uh, in particular in the outdoor space? You know, like, what, like what's coming that is exciting to you? Maybe yeah. it's GDPR. Maybe it's the increase. <laughs> maybe it's the increase in in overall trust and and uh, and and collaboration and you know ability to sort of like work together, community, brand, and otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think uh, <laughs> GDPR is maybe the least the least sexy thing that we we do, but it, you know it's important. I think what what excites me is is um, helping brands have more of a direct connection with the end customer um, because I think that as um, you know as as these companies like um, you know Big Five and 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 uh, you know EMS like go go under. Um, effectively, you have less outlets to sell you know to sell sell goods, and so you have less and less of these wholesaler retailers, you know, however you want to call it, brick and mortar to um, to really represent the brand in a physical environment. And I think um, I still I love I love going to outdoor gear shops. I used to work in a gear shop in college, um, and so I, I love that that engagement. I think it's super important. Um, but I, I I'm I'm really excited about helping brands just 
establish a stronger direct relationship with the end customer. Um, and because I do think right it's going to help bring, um, it's going to help make, you know, product evolution is going to be more efficient. It's going to be faster. Um, it's going to really help, help them, help them nail that. So that, that's something that, that I, that I do feel very passionate about because I want to see these brands succeed. And, um, if you're fully reliant on stores that are, uh, out of your control, you know, they may do well, they may fold, yeah. uh, you're going to see a lot of great brands go under because of that. And that, that makes me, you know, that makes me sad to, to see brands who otherwise could have succeeded, um, maybe fail because they didn't have the right channels in place or they didn't have a, a, enough of a direct relationship with the end customer. So that's something that I, I definitely, um, feel passionate about. And, and, and what we really do focus on is that, you know, that direct, direct end relationship. Um, yeah. So Adam Lewis wants brands to breathe clean air and connect with good people for good reasons, yeah. right? And you got the tools to make it possible. Um, thank you so much for for deep diving on some insights and sharing your uh, your opinion and your thoughts and uh, and some uh, and some uh, thoughts from your past. My pleasure. Thanks thank for, you very much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. What a pleasure, brother. 